Welcome to Wisdom Trek with Gramps. I am Guthrie Chamberlain, and we are on day 2110 of our trek to create a legacy of wisdom, to seek out discernment and insights, and to boldly grow where few have chosen to grow before. Today we continue our ongoing series of messages that I delivered at Putnam Congregational Church over the past couple of years. This series of messages will cover the Sermon on the Mount as recorded in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. I pray that it will be a conduit of learning and encouragement for you today. So let's go right on into the message this morning. And once again, praising God for the freedom we have in our country and the freedom to worship every day. And that ties in with our message today. As we continue in our eighth week on the Sermon on the Mount, and I think we'll probably have three or four additional weeks that we will be looking at the Sermon on the Mount, which covers Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And today is the Christian's ambition. Biblical priorities result in freedom from worry. And our scripture today is Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. And we're going to have four questions during the message. But first, let's read the entire passage. And it's found on 1504 or 1505 in your pew Bibles. And it's teaching about money, possessions, and worry. And follow along as I read it. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if you think that the light that you think you have is actually darkness, how deep the darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you will have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today, and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. We saw in the first half of Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18, that Jesus describes a Christian private life in the secret places. Those secret places were giving, praying, and fasting. And in the second half, which we'll cover today, verses 19 through 34, he was concerned about our public business in the world, the questions of money, possessions, food, drink, clothing, and most important, what our ambition is. The same contrast could be expressed in terms religious 
and secular responsibilities. But this distinction is false. Because we cannot separate the religious from the secular into watertight containers. It just won't happen. Indeed, the separation of the secular and the sacred in the church history has been disastrous. It's no more holy for me to stand up here and speak on Sundays than what I do the rest of the week. And it's no more holy for what you do during the week or on Sundays than it is for anything that a preacher might do or a teacher might do. Now, God does hold responsible to those who do teach, but it's not more holy to do so. It's all the same in God's eyes. If we, as Christians, citizens of God's kingdom, everything that we do is holy in the sense that it is done in God's presence and according to God's will. And in this, this chapter, Jesus emphasized and makes this precisely this point. God is equally concerned in both areas of our lives, private and public, our religious and our secular lives, because in God's eyes, there is no difference between the two. We learn that the Sermon on the Mount was considered Christ's manifesto, his marching orders to us to be different from the hypocrisy of the religious, as we learned in verses 1 through 18, and now to be different from the secular materialism that we see in our world, verses 19 through 34. But how will we make this choice? Because the worldly ambition is a fascination for us. It's a sp the spell of materialism is so hard to break, especially, I think, in our Western cultures and especially in this blessed country we live in. We have such an opportunity to buy more and more, to obtain more and more in our lives. So in this section, Jesus helps us to choose well. He points out the folly of the wrong way and the wisdom of the right way. With the passage that we're covering today, there are four fundamental questions, and this is the first question that we have, which is the question of treasure, and it covers verses 19 through 21. Here the point is that Jesus draws our attention to the comparative durability of two different types of treasures. It's essential that we face these squarely and honestly with this question of what Jesus is prohibiting when he says, don't store up treasures here on earth. What does Jesus mean? Should we not possess anything? I think it helps that if we list what we are not forbidden to have, what we are able as citizens of God's kingdom to obtain. And the first of all, there is no ban on having possessions. Scripture nowhere pro prohibits the obtaining of private property. In fact, it's encouraged in the nation of Israel to do so. Secondly, there's no prohibition against saving for a rainy day. And for that matter, even a life insurance policy, especially if you are a young couple with children, is extremely prudent to have. And Scripture even praises the ant in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, where he says, Take a lesson from the ant, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. So we're exhorted to take care of what we can. The believer, in fact, in another portion of Scripture, 
that doesn't provide for his family is called worse than an unbeliever or an infidel. And thirdly, we're not to despise, but rather enjoy the good things that our Creator has richly given us to enjoy. We can take pleasure in the things that we obtain, so neither having possessions, making provisions for the future, or enjoying the gifts of a good Creator, Creator are included in this band of hoarding earthly treasures. So you might say, well, what's left? And it's more in our attitude. What Jesus forbids of his followers is a selfish, selfish accumulation of goods and living an extravagant and luxurious lifestyle when we're not willing to help other people out. It's the abundance of the possessions and the materialism which tethers our hearts to this earth. Now, if God grants us the ability to gain wealth, and he does to many individuals, and in fact, most people in the United States are extremely wealthy compared to the rest of the world or compared to any ages of the past. But if we tie our hearts to our possessions, then our desires are tethered to the earth. Our vocation as citizens of God's kingdom mandates that when God blesses us with material possessions, that we use them to build his kingdom. Sharing the treasures will include assisting those who are in need. <clears throat> and it's not up to us necessarily to judge whether that person is deserving or not. It's up to us to provide other people's needs. Or another way is to give some of our possessions to other organizations that are also building the kingdom of God. The Sermon on the Mount repeatedly refers to our heart attitude. And here Jesus declares that our heart always follows our treasure, whether it's down here on earth or whether it's up in heaven. And everything that we hoard here on earth could be gone in an instant. Does anybody feel that the world's economies are in good shape right now? There's a lot of uncertainty in the global economies, and some uncertainty even in the, the economy of the United States. And as we learned this last year with the pandemic, something could impact the world overnight, and we could lose it all. Everything that we possess, we could leave, leave, lose it and have nothing of value. And you certainly know that when you die, you take nothing with you at all. Only the treasures that we can take with us are those that we invest in the lives of other people. We invest in the lives of those that we have a chance to impact and enrich. And it came back to me this week with my dad dying six weeks ago that he died a poor man from the world standards. He basically had no possessions, but the impact and the legacy he left through his children and grandchildren and everyone else he impacted was his treasure. And that's much more meaningful than if he would have died and left us a grand estate. Now, I think all of us would like to be left a big inheritance. I mean, we have to be honest with ourselves. But that's not what's important. Our lives should be living legacies that will impact eternity through our kids, our grandkids, or the countless others that we've influenced for the kingdom of God. That is the treasures in heaven. These are the treasures that are stored up. 
Anything we accumulate here on earth is just stuff. And over the years, I think Paul and I have come to understand even more so this concept when we realize that living in a family ancestral home, that the entire family feels it's theirs. And we want them to feel that way. And we realize that we are just caretakers of that home while we're here on earth. As long as we're alive, God has given to us to be caretakers of, but nothing more. And it's the same thing with everything that we own in life. God has given it to us to be caretakers of, to take care of diligently, wisely, but it's really not ours to own. And if God needs those to be used for other means to further his kingdom, then that's what we should do. And it's the same way with each one of us. That takes us to the next question. John, if you could switch to the next question, is the question of vision. And this is verses 22 and 23. Jesus turns from physical treasures of what we tra- to what we treasure with our eyes. And these two are tied together. What we treasure here on earth and what we see and desire are tied together because we, what we allow our eyes to gaze on becomes what we desire. Our eyes direct the whole body. So what we fix our eyes on by default is tied to our hearts and affects our entire lives. If we focus our eyes, that is to say our lives, on what God desires to build his kingdom, then our eyes are filled with light. But if we focus our eyes on what we desire to build our kingdoms here on earth, then we're filled with spiritual darkness. And it's easy to get our eyes and our minds off what is eternally significant, and we get bogged down in building our own kingdom here on earth. And we may delude ourselves into thinking that, well, I'm building this grand kingdom here on earth. I must be doing something good. It must be light. And when we think that and we don't have our focus in the proper place, that we're focusing building our kingdom instead of God's, we delude ourselves. And what happens, that the light that we think we have, as the verse says, how deep that darkness is. Which takes us to the third question. And this is the question of worth. And this is verse 24. Jesus now explains what's behind the choice of two treasures, where we lay them up, and our two visions, what we fix our eyes on, but there still lies one more basic choice, and that's between two masters. Whom are we going to serve? The choice is between God and money. Now, money here refers to all the material possessions that we accumulate while we're here on earth. Now, I've always thought it sort of ironic, and I'm not exempt from this situation, but we buy things that we don't use, and then we have to rent storage buildings to store the things that we don't use, which cost even extra money. And why do we do that? I've never been able to uncover or unravel that mystery of why we do things like we do. So money refers to all those material things that we have in our lives and how they tie us. You know, I always thought it would be nice to have a boat or a travel trailer, and nothing against anybody has those. But when you think about it, 
that becomes an extra responsibility. And the saying goes, the more you own, the more that you're owned by those possessions. Yes, we love living in the old ancestral home of the Chamberlains. But I tell you, it owns us. And it's a lot of responsibility. And if our focus was just to build that up and not impact eternity, then our focus would be on our own thing. As citizens of God's kingdom, it boils down to whether we will work to build God's kingdom or our own kingdom. Are we going to serve God or are we going to serve ourselves? You cannot build both kingdoms at the same time. It's impossible to do. And it's not that whether we have wealth or not. God's not concerned about how wealthy we are or how little wealth we have. He has it all. He provides it all. It's our heart attitude toward that wealth. And we are but caretakers of what God has provided for us. And if there's one snippet you get out of today's message, it's this. Realizing that everything that we own and take care of and are responsible for, we're just caretakers. And this, if you grasp that concept properly, one, you're not afraid to give it away, or if you lose it, it won't crush you. It won't ruin your lives. Because it's really God's, and we are just taking care of it. And it will revolutionize your outlook on life, which is our next topic, our final question today, is the question of ambition. Where is our ambition? And this covers verses 25 through 34. So this is the remainder of chapter 6. But unfortunately, verses 25 through 34 are often read and preached on as a separate subject and isolated from the verses that went before this. They're isolated from verses 19 through 24. But Christ starts out this section with, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. What is he talking about? He's talking about what he just went over. He says, this is why I tell you not to worry. And this is the core of the passage. It laid the groundwork for the remainder of the chapter. And we worry about everyday life because we focus on building our own kingdoms instead of God's kingdom. We don't understand in that situation what it means to build God's kingdom. If we understood in our hearts and mind, we would not worry about anything. Because God, who is our great and wise king, is also our father. And what father is not going to take care of his children? How can we think for an instant that the creator of the universe will not provide us with food, clothing, and shelter? And I think the answer is, it stems from the fact that God did create us with a free will to make choices. And with that ability, what saying comes to mind is, if it's to be, then it's up to me. And we take that attitude. And I don't want to minimize the point because we do have responsibility to provide for ourselves and our families. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3.10, even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Pretty straightforward. So we are responsible, but we're not to worry. Unfortunately, in many areas of our lives, we get our eyes off building God's kingdom 
to build our own kingdoms and to establish ourselves. And we begin to worry, what if I don't have enough to build my kingdom? We might not say that, but that's what it boils down to. It may be that our kingdom is just a bit bigger than our resources are that we have available to us. And we want to control those resources. We want to hang on tightly to those things that we possess, thinking it's mine. You go back to think about children, how they don't want to share. It's mine. And that's, we as adults fall into the same situation. And unfortunately, in many areas of life, we do get our eyes off building God's kingdom and more onto our own. And I'm glad that Jesus breaks his lessons down so simple that even a simple person like me can understand. And come with me in your minds to the Sermon on the Mount and imagine that we're sitting outside on the Mount listening to Jesus' teaching. And we hear the birds. They're singing and they're tweeting all around us. But Jesus points out and says, he points to the right and says, Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store up food in barns, for their heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And as we're sitting there pondering about the birds and what Christ has just said, we feel the gentle breeze wafting over the mountainside. And we see the flowers blending in the wind back and forth, and we see the grasses waft. And then Christ says, points out to his left, to the flowers, says, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. And don't you, they don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? Just think about sitting before Christ and having him tell us that because he is in his word. And please don't misunderstand, Jesus neither wants to deny nor despises the needs that we have in our body the need for food, clothing, and shelter. He created our bodies, and he allows us to take care of them. Jesus just taught us the lesson in last week's message during the Lord's Prayer that we're to ask, give us today the food that we need. And since we're to ask him, we should be willing to have enough faith to know that he will also provide those needs. To then worry about what we just asked him for is unproductive and unnecessary. Instead of worry, we should get up and hold up our part of the bargain and do what is needed to make sure that God will provide through our God-given abilities. The abilities he's given us, he expects us to use. The birds have to build their nest. If you remember last week, I said God feeds the birds, but he doesn't throw worms into the nest for them. They have to build the nest they have to keep fair, care and feed for their youngs, but God provides them with the means to do so, and he does the same for us. And you might have heard this poem before, but I thought it was fitting here. Said the robin to the sparrow, 
I should, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush around and worry so, said the sparrow to the robin. Friend, I think it must be that they have no heavenly father such as, such as cares for you and me. And think about, God takes care of the birds. He's going to take care of us. A preoccupation with food, drink, and clothing is an outward manifestation that we've taken our eyes off building God's kingdom and redirected them to building our own. Human life is more significant than food, clothing, and shelter. And Jesus tells us that if those things dominate our minds, our thoughts, we're the same as the unbelievers because the unbelievers are preoccupied with building their own kingdoms so that they are consumed by the stuff of earth. They work so hard, desperately trying to gain, maintain and gain material things all for what? You'll be gone when you die. Worry is incompatible with the Christian faith. But faith is not just sitting around doing nothing and thinking that God will provide. Faith is belief in action. Worry is also incompatible with common sense. We do have obligations in life. First, believers are not exempt from earning a living. When Christ said he would provide for us, we still have a responsibility. Secondly, believers are not exempt for responsibility of other people. That's why we give to the gospel mission, to help others. And there's many other opportunities to help others in our lives. And believers are not exempt from experiencing trouble. If you remember a couple lessons ago, we said that the, God sends rain on the just and the unjust. He also sends the sunshine. So we're not exempt from that. And these three principles are part of our lives as citizens of God's kingdom. We do not have to worry that God will provide. However, there is a prerequisite, like many promises within the Bible, for us to be provided for. And that's in verse 33. It says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Therefore, seeking God first within his kingdom and practicing right living are the steps we need to take in order for God to provide for us. And finally, we take a look at the fact that worrying accomplishes nothing beneficial. Worrying is like this rocking chair. We can have a lot of action on it, but we're not getting anywhere as far as moving. We move back and forth, but we're not moving forward, and that's what worry is. Worrying about tomorrow won't stop the bad stuff from happening, but it will prevent us from enjoying today. And when you think about worrying, it's always about tomorrow. Do we worry about what happened yesterday? Usually not. Do we worry necessarily about what's happening right now? Usually not. It's usually about what's going to happen tomorrow, or this afternoon, or next week, or next year. Whether we'll have enough food, or clothing, or anything else. But the irony, irony yeah, the particular thing here is that worrying is always experienced today. We always worry in the present. And whenever we're anxious, we are upset in the present about some event that will happen in the future. 
However, the fears about our tomorrows, which we feel so acutely today, may never happen. The fact is that most of the stuff we worry about never happens. And we get all tied up in wads about it, and then it never happens. Then we forget about that we worried about it. And then we worry about something else. So worry is a waste. It's a waste of time, it's a waste of thought, and it's a waste of nervous energy. We need to learn to live a day at a time. And we should plan for the future, of course but we're not to worry about the future. Christ finishes this part of his teaching with the words, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Don't compound your interest of worry into today. Well, it's something that might not happen because he goes on to say, today's trouble is enough for today. Why are you compounding the interest of that worry into today? So let us focus on God's kingdom each day by being salt of the earth and light of the world. That's our mandate. As citizens of God's kingdom, we should be eager to develop our gifts, widen our opportunities, and extend our influence, and live rightly in a world that is so desperately seeking the savory salt and the brilliant light that only we possess. We're not here to boost about our own egos or to build our own kingdoms, but rather we are here to bring glory to God by building his kingdom. It's the greatest of all ends. Namely, the glory of God is our supreme good. And that has happened through the verse, Seek ye the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And that's the formula of having freedom from worry. Can we apply it to our hearts and our lives, though? That is the question. Where are our eyes? Let's build God's kingdom and not our own. Then next week we'll go on into chapter 7, and we're going to start out with learning about judging others and effective prayer lives. Let's have a word of prayer as we close, and then we'll have communion. Father, we do thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you that we can come to you, that we can build your kingdom and Further it, Father, and that you will provide for us. Help us not to worry. Help us to draw on your strength and rely on you each day that you give us life, Father. Let us do so with an attitude and a heart that's thankful to you and brings glory to your name. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I pray that this message was a blessing and a time of learning from God's word. Thank you so much for allowing me to be your guide, your mentor, but most importantly, I am your friend, as I serve you through the Wisdom Trek podcast and journal each day. And as we take this trek of life together, let us always live abundantly, love unconditionally, listen intentionally, learn continuously, lend to others generously, lead with integrity, and leave a living legacy each day. I am Guthrie Chamberlain, reminding you to keep moving forward, enjoy your journey, and create a great day every day. See you next time for more wisdom from God's Word.